here we go on this Thursday, January the 17th. In the year of our Lord, 2019, it is a Rumination Thursday, and on Rumination Thursdays, we have with us Reverend Wes Reinitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing really good. I don't know about the snow and ice coming. <laughs> uh, well, I'm in the middle of a heat wave. It's melting right now. Yes, that, that, that's good. I know that uh, we had one service canceled this week, but I'm not looking forward to any services this weekend canceled. So we'll see what happens. But are you preaching anywhere? Not this weekend, but the following two weekends. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, every time you preach, we have huge snowstorms. (laughs) That's exactly what... That is no kidding. Okay. You found a very interesting article that I think our leaders or our listeners need to hear. Uh, The title of it kind of gives an indication, the direction that the person writing this, are churches willing to love their young people more than their politics? And the reason that is said that way is, is that they took a survey among young people, and although it's not that many more leaving the church than left uh, a decade ago, what is more is the increase in those who say that politics played a role in their walking away. How do you respond to that? Yeah. I viewed it as the, the you know, could you say the percentages? They did it in 2007, 2017, and 17, it, it actually dropped four percentage points, which I guess to them statistically was not uh, that much of a difference. But uh, I, I found it, I found it interesting in terms of what kind of politics. What are they talking about? You know, you know that's such a slippery word in the English language. You know, there were hardly any examples of politics that they gave that the young people are moving away from the church over. And I thought that was a a bad part of the article. Um, We make a distinction, and I said this in the promo, that... From the point of view of this article, the church better be involved in politics from the pulpit. And, of course, people were wondering, well, I thought Lutherans believed, and they even have a statement about this, that um, churches today should really stay away from talking about politics. But I I don't agree with that. I I I I hear what you're saying. In, in the fifth paragraph from the start of the article, they uh, they started blending the the issues. That's why I say it gets a little slippery. It was political slash social issues. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, politics in in its in its. Uh, it, Neutral sense talks about uh, the art and science of government, but then you go on to look at it a little bit further. There's a competition between competing interest groups or individuals for power and leadership. We don't see that going on in our national government, do we? In our national what? 
national government competing for leadership and power. Well, no, there's no doubt about that. I, I make a very clean distinction between what people are saying are politics that the Bible doesn't consider to be politics. And Right. And here's what I would say. There's no doubt that, for me, politics understood properly are issues in the government where Christians may have differing views. So whether or not which Supreme Court justice you decide, which president you vote for, or senator or congressman, or if there's a bill on raising taxes, I don't think the church should be involved there telling the members uh, from the pulpit, here's who you must vote for. Because those names aren't in the Bible. Right. No, I would agree with you on that. But uh, now you talk about political issues. Uh, people are out there saying you got to vote for this person because they're for abortion. Yeah, you, you can have a position on abortion that needs to be in connection with the Bible. The trouble is this article... When it and you mentioned it already, social issues, they kind of lump abortion, homosexuality, and other such things as part of politics when that is not correct. That's part of morality. Uh, for example, there's no doubt there are people in prison who feel that they had the right to murder someone. Maybe they were given enough money to do so, or they are an assassin, or, or whatever. And nobody's going to say, well, the church shouldn't speak out against that, because that's a political issue, since we have a law against murder. No, it's a moral issue that the church needs to speak out against. And I don't know, do you know of any Lutheran church that is really arguing for a particular point of view on the raising of taxes and that you shouldn't vote for people who want to raise them or to lower them? I've known of pastors that have, that have tried. And well, I, I know of none. Didn't go to, and it didn't go over well. Well, that was in years previous. Yeah, no, that would be absolutely wrong. Right. For a pastor to talk about the raising of taxes or the lowering of taxes. Um, and that's because that has nothing to do with biblical um, revelation. Romans 13 says we pay taxes to whom taxes are due. If you want to change the tax code, then that's who you may want to vote for. But well, for example, got... yeah, Go ahead. In my congregation of 28 years, the vast majority of people were Democrats. Mm. However, they all were pro-life, uh, against homosexuality, against women ordination, and so forth, or else they wouldn't have joined the congregation because it was pretty clear these were the moral stances of the Bible. But they right. would disagree over whether or not, for example, they ought to bring in more uh, firemen to help fight the fires or to raise taxes to give police more money. Uh, and I had no problem with those differences because the pastor ought to stay out of that 
because there's nothing in the revelation of God to make it clear which decision you should make. Right. Well, uh, let me bring you, bring bring up a context that that the article does talk about. The Jesus, you look at the Jesus disciples. He had uh, Simon the Zealot, who you could say was very anti-Roman government. Then you had Matthew the tax collector, who uh, collected taxes for the Roman government. And uh, they had differing views, but it was okay for them to be disciples. Uh, Yes, because in that area, they were talking about the scriptures. But, of course, the Pharisees would have loved to have killed the disciples because they were saying that the Pharisees had as their father the devil himself. Now, they would have thought that as being inappropriate, the Pharisees. But that's what the disciples were teaching because that was the teaching of Jesus. Mm. And so it's not that when a church stays out of politics and only deals with what this article says, social issues, that therefore that is something wrong the church shouldn't be doing. I do know of pastors who won't bring up abortion because they're afraid of dividing the congregation. Jesus was not of that nature at all. He didn't have any problem in even dividing the disciples over scriptural tendencies. So regardless of their political affiliation, so to speak, definition, you would say it's okay as long as it doesn't conflict with the Bible. Yes, I've known Republicans who are pro-abortion, and I've known many Democrats who are pro-life. Now, the former is not a Christian point of view, but the latter is. And so the pastor really needs to speak uh, from the pulpit about what some people consider to be political issues when they're actually scriptural issues and have nothing to do with politics. Right. Now, what was their solution, by the way, if you read the article here? Their solution? Yeah, to getting uh, young people back into the church. Well, you you embrace, uh, so to speak, their political views, that that, uh, they have a right to, to their political views and they should be listened to. Yes, you don't embrace them, but you listen to them and then talk to them on the the level. A lot of young people left the church because nobody was willing to talk to them. Didn't you give an example of a pastor who told a confirmand to be quiet and not ask so many questions? Yeah, I ran across that, uh, and uh, the lady was had had since gone into adulthood. Said that. During her confirmation year, she'd asked some some questions about women's ordination, women serving in the church, and right. some things of that issue. And they they would give her answers, and she just kept asking. And instead of researching more to give her better answers, they just told her, "Be quiet if you want to be confirmed." Now, one point they made that I found interesting. Teenagers aren't likely to be phased when others in church disagree with them, but they listen closely to see if their fellow church members will demean them or their position. If so, the student will feel judged and less connected to the congregation. 
Now, they don't explain, okay, let's say you're talking about uh, abortion and the church is pro-life. How will a young person not consider that to be demeaning of them or their position of pro-abortion? They don't explain that. They don't, and you're left to infer, are, are you calling their position stupid, idiotic, things of that nature? Yeah, I can understand not demeaning the the young person, but you definitely will demean their position. Yeah. In, in other words, what follows is a judgmental or hypocritical congregation was cited by 32% of young adults as contributing to their decision to stop attending regularly. And when I read that, I would change the sentence to this. A judgmental or hypocritical Jesus was cited by 32% of Pharisees as contributing to their decision to stop (laughs) hearing him regularly. See, Jesus was considered extremely judgmental. Uh, remember that parable he gave between a tax collector and the Pharisee? Right. And the tax collector is justified, but the Pharisee goes to hell. Now, if that's not judgmental, I don't know what is. <laughs> but it's not depends hypocritical. On, yeah, no, it depends on your point of view there, it's, it's your politics. Yeah, they don't really anywhere in the program or in the article indicate how do you deal with social issues that the Bible is against from a moral point of view, but these young people seem to be for. How do you deal with that in such a way that they don't think you're demeaning their position? I I don't know if that's possible. It wasn't possible for Jesus. But, you know, it's... Let me bring up a, 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 a particular point that I've seen here in the Springfield area. We got Dick Durbin, our senator, who is pro-abortion, devout Roman Catholic, or claims to be devout Roman Catholic. And the bishop here uh, forbids him to take communion because he's pro-death on killing babies and abortion. And... Uh, there are those that, that says that uh, the bishop shouldn't do that. You know, shouldn't he's being political, taking a political stance. What do you do about that? Yeah, that's excellent example of how people understand politics. Abortion is not a political issue. It is a moral issue. And why does God bring in excommunication? That's done, which means you cannot commune at the altar. You still can attend church. You still can attend Bible studies. They want you to in order to hear God's word. But they will not commune you because you are not repenting of a known sin. And Mm. that's an example that you gave there. That is the task of the church because excommunication has as its goal to bring a person back into the fellowship of the church by helping them to understand the danger they are in in disagreeing with a part of Scripture. So, in other words, it's not going to make any difference whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, or whatever you're right. you call yourself. It's really whether it's political or it's a moral issue. And if it's a moral issue, what does God's Word have to say about it? 
Right. If uh, this Durbin had a position that he was going to raise taxes on the rich, which I think he does, and the church then excommunicated him, that would be wrong. What if he was to raise taxes so that he could fund more abortion clinics? Well, I don't know of a law that does that. Uh, We would definitely say that that would be inappropriate for that purpose, just like uh, uh, Hitler raised money to put more Jews in concentration camps. You Mm. see, you can be against the leader of a country if they are going against the laws of the country. Uh, Hitler had no right at all under the Constitution of Germany at that time to do what he was doing. He was breaking the Constitution again and again. Unfortunately, our Supreme Court becomes the law of the land, and they've not only okayed the murder of children in the womb, but also the the marriage of uh, two men or two women. In fact, the Post-Dispatch just today had a lengthy article. These two lesbians had uh, visited a retirement home and they wanted to, uh, you know, live there. And the retirement home said, no, our policy is that marriage includes a man and a woman. And therefore, they declined them. Well, they took them to court. And in the Post-Dispatch, the judge ruled... And this is surprising that the retirement home had the right not to allow them to come into the home. Well, that's Missouri. Out in Colorado, they would have reversed it. Well, maybe. But then, of course, you can go up and see what the Supreme Court's going to be saying. Right. The the fact of the matter is, I thought that was really a good ruling by a judge making sense. That uh, homosexual activity is and homosexual marriage is just contrary not only to God's law but to common sense. But you know that that brings up the question. Another question that that comes to mind is the election of of uh, of our leaders. Are we being political when we take a stance that? Uh, they're for killing babies, they're not for killing babies, gay marriages, lesbian lifestyles, those things of those areas. Those are hitting the political views. Well, the problem is, is that sometimes, uh, let's say you're voting for a congressperson, and both the Democrat and the Republican have opinions and views that you disagree with. Then you just have to use your common sense to do the best balance Maybe one of them may be for homosexual marriage, but he's also against uh, abortion. So I don't tell people who to vote for. I don't see any problem with a church putting out a list of here's the people that are going to be elected and here are their stances. Right. That I don't have a problem with. That's just information. And then the individual Christian can make up their mind. But a lot of times you're voting for a negative and a negative. And so you try and decide which is the less negative. And some people may make the decision, well, I'm not going to vote for either. Okay, here's another one. I mean, we're chock full of them talking about politics today. Open border, closed border, the United States immigration. 
right. Whether you think there's a wall necessary or not is not a biblical issue. So, uh, for example, what I find really interesting is how many Congress people and senators vote against a wall when they have a wall around their home. That was a rather interesting perspective. Yeah, I, I just can't believe it. If there's so much against the wall, then take down their wall. Uh, and even the Vatican has a wall around them. And so when the Pope comes out against the wall, it just doesn't seem to be proper from our point of view. But a Christian can still be against a wall because they feel it is saying we don't want other people in the country. Whether they're right or wrong on that isn't a pastoral task to decide they have to go with their conscience. And therefore, I don't have people being against the wall or people being for the wall because I looked it up in the Bible and a wall to divide Mexico from the United States is never mentioned. No, but uh, the governance, then, wouldn't it be keeping the laws that are on our books and maintaining those as a proper government that we should follow? Well, there's no doubt that a wall would help with the laws that are on the books, but other people say, no, we can also do those laws without a wall. So I'm not going to argue with them as a pastor. And I'll tell you why I don't argue on political things where Christians can have differing views from God's point of view. Because Mm -hmm. if I argue on that and bring that into the sermon then they're going to wonder, well, is he right on the spiritual matters? Ah, so you're back to whether it's a politic or whether it's a moral issue. Yes, I don't have any problem with members of the congregation having strong uh, positions on areas of politics where we could have differing points of view. If they're able to persuade someone to their point of view, that's fine with me. I'm just not going to bring that into the pulpit unless it's a moral issue uh, decided by God's word. I'd say 90% of what the Congress elects, etc., has nothing to do with the Bible. Yeah, no, you're correct. Always that Sunday before before uh, Election Tuesday in November. Yes. Uh, from time to time, I would tell my congregation, I'm going to get political. Yeah, and so so I'd have a goodly number of people there, and they they come out and they say you weren't political at all. All you talked about were moral, biblical issues. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know it's kind of interesting. We're having the big pro life march this Sunday, and you know what the holiday is on Monday? Road versus way. No. Martin, Martin, Luther oh, Martin Luther King. Luther King. Oh, yeah. How could you forget that? And, and the reason I mention that is Martin Luther King was very pro-life. Mm. Yes, and a lot of people don't realize that. And so there's another example that pro-life people could use in uh, celebrating that day uh, because uh, that was his position. I think it's his uh, granddaughter I even had on my radio program once. And she is very pro-life, of course, and said that also. But the bottom line here is, and I disagree with their last sentence, 
If church leaders want the young people back, they have to ask themselves, are they willing to love young people more than they do their political opinions? And Mm -hmm. the answer, here's how I would, are we willing to love young people more than we love Jesus? Uh, I think that's that's a better better reply because it has nothing to do about views. Because as you've often said, and at the heart of our lives is sin, and in the middle of that sin is that word "I," my self-interest. Exactly. So, what I get from the article is: don't just tell young people to be quiet and not ask questions, but deal with their questions from a biblical point of view and allow the Holy Spirit to help them make proper decisions in regard to politics that aren't really not politics, but morality, and stay away from politics where Christians can disagree. You said it all very, very well said. All right. Tomorrow is going to be Open Mic Friday. Maybe you have a question about what I and Wes said. It's tomorrow that you should be asking it or any other questions. We talked about gifts of the Spirit on Wednesday and other items. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.